You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, it's still morning, nine minutes. Uh, Was anybody else terrified watching Kyle like dance on the edge of this stage? It terrifies me. And I do the same thing. So I'm like, I know. And there's like a lip right here too. I don't think like, just walk up here and look at this little ledge. I don't know if it's clever construction or poor construction. Because at all times you feel like you're one wrong step away from a bloody nose and like service is over. (laughs) But you you did very, so good, man. You didn't fall. Well done. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm very excited, uh, very excited this morning uh, to get to spend some time together the next 40 minutes or so. And I see it says 38, but you know, you can give me two minutes, right? Making it even 40 just for, uh, just for simplicity. Uh, I'm really, really excited about it. And um, I, just a little bit of a preface for, for what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna be talking about closing the gap. Um, whenever Callie Haligenthal, I got made fun of for how I said her name in pre-service. I, did I butcher it? I think I butchered it. Yeah, I butchered it. Whatever, Callie. Whenever Callie was here and she led worship, she opened up in a uh, round table type thing we did with our worship department on Sunday night and just talked about some things that she's walked through as a worship leader, um, as a mom in life and uh, trying to decrease the amount of time it takes for her to get back to wholeheartedness. Have you ever dealt with comparison? Oh yeah, same. You ever dealt with comparison? You ever dealt with looking at somebody else younger than you and going, why is their life more put together than mine? Uh, I was recently on a trip. Uh, a group of 11 of us went fly fishing in New Mexico. And in, our tru- in my truck on the way down, there was, there was a guy in the truck who I think is 23. And he was like, man, I just can't wait till I'm 30. And I was like, why? I know. It's like, why? 31 hurts. My back hurts for no reason. I'm, uh, uh, I said, well, you know, why? He goes, well, it just seems like when you're thir- by the time you're 30, like you've just got a lot more stuff figured out. I'm like, bro, I got bad news, dude. <laughs> I, got, I got bad news for you. Uh, it's a process. We'll, we'll call it that. It's a process. But as Callie was sharing about her experience and decreasing the amount of time it takes to to squash comparison, to squash insecurity, to eliminate self-doubt, self-shame, self-loathing even, I was really encouraged and challenged at the same time to take an introspective look and consider some things in my own life. And I started wondering the areas in my life that I need to close the gap in. What are the areas in my life that don't look like Christ? What are the areas in my life where there's still a little bit of flesh up in there? A lot of flesh up in there, (laughs) depending. And it led me to this place of a desire to close the gap, to close the gap in my proximity with the Father in every area of my life, every single area of my life, whether it's my finances, whether it's my emotions, my ability to husband, my ability to father, my ability to be a friend, 
my ability to communicate, my ability to have intimacy with the Father. Like, I just want to close the gap and live wholeheartedly intertwined with the Father. I wrote this. My goal is to live in daily union with the Father, fully intertwined, fully satisfied, fully integrated in the intimacy that is made available through Christ Jesus. Is that anybody else's prayer? To live fully intertwined, fully integrated because of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. That's what he paid for. Just like we've been created in his image, we are also to be developed into his likeness. You were created in his image. Go back to Genesis. Male and female, he created them. He created you. He had you in mind. Psalms talks about this. David writes that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that you were beautifully created. We were created in his image, yet there still remains this process of becoming more like him. I want to discover, I want to realize, and I want to live in the identity that God meant when he meant me. Is there anybody else? Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Yeah, Lord, we don't wanna just stop at the gate and peek in to what you're doing in other people's lives today. But rather, Father, we actually wanna engage wholeheartedly in what you might wanna say to us today. Though we are one body in one room on one Sunday, you see us as individuals. You see us in our individual stories, every up, every down, every victory, every fail. And Lord, you choose to meet us here. So Lord, as we've glorified your name this morning and you have been praised and you have been lifted up, thank you for being with us. Thank you that your presence is here. Come on, just tell him thank you. Thank you that your presence is here. And so Lord, now I invite you to change my life. I invite you to provoke change inside of me even where it hurts, even where it's not easy. Lord, we receive it through the lens of you truly do have our best interest at heart all the time and every time. And so Lord, change me, inspire me and provoke me. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. All right, you said amen. It's your fault now if you get hurt. <clears throat> Romans chapter eight, verse 28 through 30. I'm gonna read out of the New Living Translation all day. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 through 30 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them, get this, he chose them to become, say become, like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Listen to, listen to verse 30 very, very closely. This is where we're gonna camp out and we're gonna spend uh, the vast majority of the remainder of our time surrounding this theme. So listen to verse 30. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Notice the parallel between become like his son and he has called us to come to him. It's a process of becoming. And having called them, he gave them right, right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. 
He gave them his glory. He called us, he gave us right standing, and he gave us his glory. This is big picture stuff. This is big theme stuff. I love these verses because it's such an inspiration to know like this is actually my inheritance. Like this is something that he just gave me. It's not something I earned. It's not something I deserved. It's not something I fought for. It's not something I strive for. This is my inheritance. This is your inheritance. Yet still, there lies this disconnect frequently in our lives where our day-to-day existence, our day-to-day experience as mankind, it doesn't always feel like his glory. It doesn't always feel like his glory. Like when I think of glory, I think of these moments we have in worship. I'm talking about these, these moments in worship where we're singing, all my love, all my love, you can have it all. And we're going for it. And there's just these moments of intensity and purity. And it's so wonderful. And you're lost in the presence of God with tears and snot bubbles and all the stuff. And you're just like, you're in it, man. That's what glory feels like in my mind. Yet somehow scripture says this, but my day-to-day life, the inheritance that I have been given, it doesn't always feel like my reality because guess what? You're gonna get in an argument with your wife. You're gonna get in a fight with your husband. You're gonna get a phone call from school and your kid's been doing dumb things. You're gonna tell your kids not to get their room dirty. They're gonna get it dirty. It doesn't always feel like his glory. It's messy, it's muddy, it's murky. We have this 90, 100 years that we're living on earth where the promise of his glory the fulfillment of his glory that he has called us, he has purposed us, it doesn't always feel like that. Real talk. And that undeserving demotion at work, that didn't feel like right deserving. That didn't feel like right standing with God. Came out of nowhere, undeserved, you were next in line, and next thing you know, demotion. Or somebody else in behind you got the promotion and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like right standing. Like, God, is this really what I signed up for? Is it really supposed to hurt this bad? Like I thought these people loved me. Think about relationships, the people that you call friends, the people you call family and you get hurt and you get wounded. I thought these people loved me. This doesn't feel like right, it doesn't feel like glory. Here's one, these daily Moms, this is for you. <laughs> the dirty diapers every single day. They keep pooping every single day. And these temper tantrums from these two-year-olds, God bless them. Whew. These two-year-olds, these three-year-olds. Four, five, six, nine, 13, it keeps going. <clears throat> Come on, man, I can't, I can't hear that. I got young kids, it's gotta get better, my guy. <laughs> It's, it's, it's the voice of experience. Can you move to the back row? I need some, I'm joking, I'm joking. That's, it's true, it's true. It's true that it doesn't always feel that way. But I wanna challenge you that your feelings are not the authority in your life. God's promises are the authority in your life. And if he says that he has called you to come unto him, to become like Jesus, that your inheritance is glory, then it is so. 
So I wanna challenge you this morning not to ignore the realities of your daily life. Like I said, this is big picture stuff. It's like, amen, what does that mean? We're gonna talk about it, we'll figure it out. I don't wanna challenge you and inspire you just to forget the things that are going on in your life. Instead, what I wanna do is I want to change perspective. I want to change perspective and I want to honestly evaluate what it looks like to live as the human that God meant when he meant you because you actually have what it takes. You actually have what it takes. Uniquely crafted, uniquely created for your season where you sit right now, no matter how disgusting you feel like it is, no matter how good and glorious you feel it is, you were actually created to triumph over this season. Some time ago, it's been a couple weeks, I've shared this with some, some of the worship team. I got, I, I got this vision as I was before the Lord contemplating these areas of my life where I need to close the gap. Insecurities, fears, doubts, frustrations. And I feel like the Lord gave me this really good picture for what it looks like to close the gap. Now, what's our goal here? Like, what's the end goal of this? Scripture promises us that we cannot avoid trials. We cannot avoid tribulations. Like they're, they're 100% coming. Like, can we make that the starting point? They are coming. There is an enemy, a real enemy who hates you and he wants to destroy you. And he will do everything in his power to do so. Trials are gonna come. Tribulations are gonna come. Some of you are like, I know, I'm living in it. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's part of life, but I got this picture of what it looks like as we grow ever more towards the Father. And what I saw was a mountain. So imagine a mountain and the top is when we meet Jesus face to face. Oh. Every tear we've cried, every frustration we've had, every loss we've suffered, every trauma that we've been through, it's all reconciled in this moment where we encounter Jesus in glory. So this is the pinnacle, this is the peak of the mountain. Yet we find ourselves somewhere between sea level and 14,000 feet. What it looks like in this process of refinement in our faith and cultivating this spiritual formation inside of us is climbing the mountain. I don't know if you've ever climbed a mountain or you've spent much time in the woods. You don't climb straight up, you will die. If you're looking at a 14er, you don't just go straight up the mountain. There's this process of going around the mountain. There's a process of switchbacks. It's a little bit east, it's a little bit west. It's a little, I feel like I'm doing the cha-cha slide. One hop this time. Everybody clap your hands. All right, they get it. I knew somebody was gonna do it, but it's, it's actually what life looks like. It's a little bit east, it's a little bit west, it's a little bit back, it's a little bit forth. But the vision that I got in considering this spiritual formation coming to the climax where we meet the Father is we are circling this mountain. As you circle the mountain, you are gaining elevation. The circles that you are creating around this mountain are smaller and smaller and smaller until one day we reach the very top. So what's happening is we're gaining elevation. As we're gaining elevation, we are decreasing the amount of time it takes for us to get around that mountain. If it took you six hours at the bottom, it's probably gonna take you 10 minutes at the top. This is what spiritual growth looks like. Steady, 
slow, day by day, decade by decade, consistency. This is what spiritual formation looks like. And at the end of the day, what we are after is this. Consider insecurity. Let's just start there. If insecurity is something that you battle on a regular basis, you walk into a room and you immediately feel like the least qualified person in the room. You walk into the room and you immediately feel like everybody's looking at you thinking, they're ugly. I'm serious. You walk into a room and you immediately think the only thing people see when they see you is your acne or your thinning hair or your beer gut. (laughs) Insecurity. You need to understand this first and foremost, that that's actually not how the father sees you. There is a voice of an accuser who will make you believe that that's all people see, that that's all you're worth and that's all you will ever be. But if you take a moment to pause and understand that does not sound like the voice of a loving father. If you take a moment to pause, what you'll understand is there is actually another voice contesting for the floor in your head saying, yeah, no, 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 that's not who you are. You are loved, you are called, you are chosen, you are qualified, you are excellent, you are wonderful, and you were created in my image. So as we consider this mountain, I want you to imagine that the north face of this mountain is wholeheartedness with the Father. In the process of spiritual growth, as you go around the mountain, you cannot stay on the north face. At some point, you're gonna find yourself on the south face of this mountain. What lies on the south face of the mountain? Trials, tribulations insecurities, fears, resentment. You'll find yourself in this process where you're circling the mountain. And the idea is this, is as we gain elevation, it took me six hours originally to get out out from under that insecurity, to come back to that north face of the mountain, which is wholeheartedness and integration with the Father. But guess what? I've gained a little bit of elevation. So next time I walk into a room, it's not gonna be six hours because I'm about 2,000 feet higher. It's gonna be four hours. And then guess what? The Father's proven himself yet again in my insecurity. So guess what? I make another lap around the mountain in another room and it took me 30 minutes and now I'm not insecure anymore. And then I gain a little bit more elevation and now I'm at 10,000 feet and guess what? There's still a thought because the enemy hates you. He's not just gonna leave you alone in this insecurity. He's not just gonna leave you alone in this offense. He's not just gonna leave you alone in this fear. Come on, insert your own story. You know yourself better than I do. He's not gonna leave you alone in this addiction. He's not gonna leave you alone. So the trick is this, gain elevation and decrease the amount of time it takes to come back to wholeheartedness with the Father. At a certain point in this growth journey of spiritual formation, you will no longer have time to pitch camp on the south face of the mountain because you've got an agenda, because you've got a north face that's waiting for you. And I'm done with the six hour journey at the base of this mountain because now I'm climbing at 12,000 feet and there's a God who loves me and there's a world who needs me. So I'm not camping on the south side of of this mountain anymore. I'm getting back to wholeheartedness with the Father. Spiritual formation is rarely a linear path but rather an extended process intertwined with our current season and our daily rhythms. Spiritual formation is rarely 
a linear path. I like linear paths. That's easy. But rather an extended process intertwined with our current season and our daily rhythms. So how do we do this? Let's kind of like bring the plane down. We've been at 30,000 feet. Let's bring it down to 15,000 feet. How do we do it? What does it look like to gain elevation, to decrease the amount of time it takes for me to come back to wholeheartedness? There's two tools that I wanna talk about today unto spiritual formation and living in a place of wholeheartedness. Let's start here. Let's start in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, verse 21 through 24 says this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, get this, say it, say, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Someone say, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I don't know why I just remembered this, but my mom used to do this thing all the time. Drove me nuts when I was a kid. But she would say, attitude check. (laughs) Yeah. Ain't nobody know about that. This was like some old Assemblies of God stuff. She'd say, she'd say, attitude check. And we'd have to say, praise the Lord. <laughs> oh yeah. You start, you, start, you start slipping out of line in the back of the Ford Windstar. You best believe my mom's gonna say, attitude check. Praise the Lord. Serious. Kids church, minivans, it don't matter. That's my mama. Love her. Throw off and put on. This is the first tool that I want to talk about. What's it look like to throw off the old self? We're talking about throwing off the old self, putting on the new self. Have you ever stepped in gum? My wife stepped in gum two times yesterday inside of a 30-minute window. It was a great day. God bless the vans. It was a rough deal. And uh, if you know my wife at all, I was immediately like, well, are you gonna see how that's prophetic? Like, what's the prophetic meaning? Like, it's gotta mean something. You stepped in gum two times in 30 minutes. She actually did, she told me today, she said she actually did look at the prophetic meaning of stepping in gum. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife, whom I love, the prophetic symbolism. But it's, I, I, what's interesting about this is I started, I, I actually, I started thinking about this. Uh, you step in gum, there's a mass, there, go with me, okay? This is how the Lord talks to me, so just, I got 16 minutes, so you're just gonna have to deal with it, okay? Um, Stepping in gum. There's a ginormous difference in stepping in double bubble and juicy fruit. There's a ginormous difference in chewing double bubble and chewing juicy fruit. You know what I'm saying? Like double bubble is like that thick, ain't going nowhere. You could chew it for seven years. And it would be the exact same consistency as the day you put that in your mouth. Now it loses its flavor sec- seven seconds in, but it, you can chew on that. But juicy fruit, it's like cotton candy. I don't know what happens, but when you chew juicy fruit, it's just gone. After like 30 or 45 minutes, it's like, what happened to my gum? Did I swallow it? Did it dissolve? What? If you step on juicy fruit, there's a ginormous difference between that and stepping on double bubble. Okay, 
Double bubble, when you step on it, I want you to imagine the sole of your foot, all right? Have you ever tried to throw off gum like this from, from the bottom of your feet? It don't work. You're all looking at me like, no, I've never tried that because that's stupid. <clears throat> and you look stupid doing it. I don't care. It's, but it, does, it doesn't work like that. Like it actually takes the appropriate tools and there's different tools to get juicy fruit off your shoe than there is to get double bubble off your shoe. If it's double bubble, it's like, I just imagine, okay guys, I know. I just, I imagine like the internal structure of double bubble, it stays intact. They're like, hold on, we're not going anywhere. We're all in this together. Right, and then all it takes, the grass maneuver generally works with the double bubble because it, it's like you just hit it one time and it's out. You know what I'm saying? Juicy fruit, it's like every man for himself. It starts like, it starts grabbing like every like nook and cranny and crevice of the sole of your shoe and it is not letting go. It takes a different tool. It takes a different tool to get juicy fruit off your, off your I don't think they're gonna let me preach again after this. I've just realized I've spent probably about three minutes talking about gum on the bottom of your shoe. It's on to something, everybody, okay? Go with me. But juicy fruit, it's like grabbing, it somehow winds up on the top of your shoe. It's in your hair. I don't know what happened, but it's, it takes like a stick. It takes a rock. If you're nasty, it takes your fingernails. Like you have to get, you have to get in there to get that out. It takes the right tools. You can't just throw off bubble gum from your shoe. So what's the tactic? What's the tool? How do we throw off the old man? How do we put on the new man? One of the, one, of the, one of the tools that we use in our household on a regular basis is this. It's the premise and the process of breaking agreements. Breaking agreements. I, I wanna do a quick poll here. How many of you would say you are unfamiliar with what it means to break an agreement in your life? Raise your hand. Okay. so. Okay, perfect. How many of you would say you are familiar with what it means to break an agreement? How many of you are not raising your hands because you did not put on deodorant? <laughs> That's what you get for not voting. Now everybody's wondering. All right, there's a, there's a vast enough majority. I feel like it's worth going into. Breaking agreements. Breaking agreements for us, is, it's a three-step process, okay? Um, I... I gleaned much of this from our leadership here at Renew Life Church. And I have also gleaned much of, much of it from John Eldridge and, and his teachings through Wild at Heart. But the process of breaking agreement, it's a three-step process that really clearly identifies what it looks like to throw off the old self and to put on the new self. Step one of breaking an agreement, you have to acknowledge what the false agreement is. Let's circle back to the conversation. The enemy hates you. If you find yourself in a cycle of shame, if you find yourself in a cycle of sin, if you find yourself in a cycle of anything that is clearly, inevitably, not from the voice of the Lord, this is an agreement that you have made about yourself. You're always gonna be an alcoholic. You're never gonna escape it. You're always gonna be addicted to this, or you're always gonna be addicted to that. Yeah, you're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. You're never gonna, you're never gonna promote within the company because you're not smart enough and you don't have a degree. False agreements, bad agreements, not true. The enemy's a liar. 
So step one, acknowledge what that agreement is. Truth is this, there's probably many of them in your life. This is not like a one-stop shop thing. This is a practice that we, that we participate in on a regular basis for multiple things. I come back to this place. For me, this is what it looks like to renew my mind. I renew my mind with this process all the time. Okay, so step one, we are throwing off the old self. I'm acknowledging the lie that I've agreed with. I'm acknowledging it. I'm looking at it and I'm saying, yeah, I chose to believe you. But I no longer, this is an audible process. I no longer believe the lie told me by the enemy that I am fill in the blank or I will never fill in the blank. Step two, it's a continuation of throwing it off. I'm now gonna repent for that. Yeah, Lord, I'm sorry that I believe that. I'm, I'm sorry that I gave the enemy the time of day or I gave my flesh the time of day, which led to a foothold to give the enemy the time of day. Nobody just wakes up and goes, I think I'm gonna listen to the devil today. <laughs> He's sneaky, man. He's sneaky. So I'm gonna repent for this agreement. I'm sorry, I believe that. I'm really sorry. Father, forgive me and I push it away. I have now thrown off that juicy fruit. <laughs> and then step three, and this is mission critical. I'm going to establish a new agreement. Familiar with the scripture where it says, if, uh, if you rid yourself of demons, if you rid yourself of impurities, and you don't fill it with good things, they'll come back seven times stronger. Is that how that goes? <clears throat> it's important that you reestablish that agreement with the truth. And the truth is a direct opposite of the counterfeit version of what you just broke. If I'm breaking an agreement that I'm not smart enough and I don't have what it takes to promote in my company, I'm gonna break that, I'm gonna repent for that, and then I'm gonna put on my new clothes. I'm capable, I'm qualified. I'm here because the Father has led me here. I didn't build it, so I ain't gotta sustain it. The Father's leading me. And his goals for me, his dreams for me, his hopes for me, those are the things I partner with. And this is my new agreement. Does that make sense? Throw off and to put on. I've got a buddy, Spencer Hahn, who uses this process um, on a regular basis, uh, whenever he gets into a place where he identifies, it takes a certain amount of res resilience to be able to check out from the reality that you might be living in, okay? The lie that you might be living in. You've, be you've become so accustomed to living in the dumps or to living in the lie. It takes a certain amount of emotional and mental and spiritual resilience to be able to zoom the lens out and to take an honest look at it. So something that my buddy Spencer does is he actually, when he acknowledges it, it's kind of like this, like, oh, pff, oh my goodness, I've been believing this lie. <laughs> so he stops. He imagines in his, in, his, in his mind, this might take 30 seconds, this might take, this might take five minutes, okay? But he writes, in his mind, he writes on a piece of paper that lie that he's believing. And in his mind's eye, he crumples that piece of paper, which is repentance. And then he throws it in the trash can. And then he walks away. Does it seem silly? Maybe. <laughs> Does it seem unnecessary and excessive because the Lord can do it through a conversation instead of a, maybe. I, but it works for him. 
What's your mental health? What's your emotional health? What's your spiritual health worth to you? Are you willing to go to extremes? Are you willing to find your rhythm as you cultivate this spiritual formation unto a day that the Lord is coming back for a spotless bride? It's worth every cost. It's worth every cost. The second, the second tool in the tool belt, first tool is throwing off and putting on. Second tool is this, to become professional imitators. Professional imitators. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse one. This is one of the letters to the church that the apostle Paul writes. And then we're gonna read again another letter to the church in Ephesians chapter five. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. This is the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 5.1 says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. I love the parallel of these two scriptures because one says, follow me. Like, hey, follow me. The other one says, follow God. These are not mutually exclusive premises. They are symbiotic and required in your life. There are gonna be seasons in your life where you need to hear the Lord. Like you need to hear the voice of the Lord in your life. You need to hear him. You need to know his voice. You need to be in tune with his voice and his hopes and his dreams and his expectations for you. There are other seasons where you just need a dad. You need a father. You need the voice of someone else. And I believe there's even people in the room who have wrestled with the tension of, yeah, I don't hear God. I don't hear him. I don't, I, I don't ever hear him say anything. I don't have dreams, weird ones maybe, but I don't have dreams. I don't have encounters. People talk about hearing the Lord and you don't get it. Hey, acknowledge the lie. <laughs> You have the capacity to hear the Father. He has given you the word. He has given you brothers. He has given you sisters. He has given you pastors. He has given you fathers. He has given you mothers. Much of the responsibility is on your shoulders to find that person and to stick to them like glue. What is Paul saying? Basically what Paul is telling the church is this. You have no idea what you're doing. So just follow someone who does. That's where I find myself all the time. I don't know what to do. Fix me. I, uh, I had the honor of leading a man who's actually in the room today, Cade Miller. Where's Cade at? My man. Um, <clears throat> through uh, our last Brave, Co uh, Brave Course session this past summer. Absolutely incredible time. The way I even met Cade, I had no idea who this man was. Uh, everybody who led a Brave Course, we got into a room. Actually, it was a back patio. And we, we sat around this table and we printed out a roster. We printed out a roster of men who had registered for Brave Course. 57 men registered for Brave Course last summer. Incredible. I'm going to steal your thunder. Brave Course is launching again and registration is open today. Men, Register for Brave Course. I'm getting emotional about this. Please register for Brave Course. The things that happen in those rooms, you need it in your life. 
I don't even know where you are, but you need what happens in those rooms in your life. If you wanna be a better husband, register. If you wanna be a better father, register. If you wanna be a better business owner, register. It's worth it, 100% worth it. Back to the story. So we're sitting around this table. We have uh, this list of people that we are to align into groups, right? We have a certain amount of leaders. We have 57 men, most of whom I did not know, most of whom many of us did not know. And so what we did is we prayerfully considered who should go in each group. And we just laid claims to guys. Like, I want that guy. Yeah, it sounds, it's like, it's, it's like fantasy football. You know when we play fantasy football? It's literally like, fan, we need to get an app developed or something. That'd be awesome. Um, but that, that's what this process was. And so I, here's this guy's name on a list, Cade Miller. <clears throat> so I bring him into the group and so excited. And what I learned about this man is he is a good man. Cade Miller is a good man. Cade Miller, you are a good man. Cade, how long have you been married? Oh, a month. Come on, give it up for Cade and Natalie. <laughs> married for a month. <laughs> Uh, married for a month. Are you guys ready to start counseling other marriages at this point? You, no fights, nothing? No, okay, cool. All right. But anyway, I, I got to meet Cade and, and really get to know him. And honestly, what I found about this man uh, is he's a good man and he has a deep honor for his father. And as I led this group continually, he was coming back to this place in conversations of like, yeah, my dad taught me this. My father taught me that. My, my dad instructed me this. You know, one of the biggest things in my life when I was a teenager is I just didn't, I didn't want to let my dad down. And I knew he was always going to be proud of me. This was a theme in his life. So imagine me, I've got a six-year-old son. As I'm sitting here across the table, looking at a young man who has this deep respect for his father. You know what I found myself doing? I found myself thinking these thoughts of, if my son turns out like this, I will be proud. This is the relationship. This is the respect. This is what I want in my relationship with my son. And I say that to honor you, but I'll also say that to paint this picture. I also had the honor of being in Cade's wedding, Cade and Natalie's wedding, which was beautiful, uh, about a month ago. Um, and his dad was there. I never met his dad before. And I got really emotional when I saw his dad because all I wanted to do was just learn. How do I do that? How do I make a Cade? What, like, what do I do there? Not make a Cade. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> How do I cultivate this thing? Because the truth is this, I'm in the weeds. I got a lot of hopes. I got a lot of dreams. I got a lot of guidance. I read a lot of books, but here's the fruit. So you know what I found myself doing <laughs> at the rehearsal dinner? Wherever Cade's dad was, <laughs> I probably awkward. Cade's dad was probably like, Cade, you got a weird one in here. He's... <laughs> I, but I just found myself just hanging on every word he said. I just wanted to know. He was your basketball coach, right? Yeah. I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know, how do you do it? If you don't know the way to climb the mountain, if you don't know the way, the, the way to gain elevation, if you don't know, don't know the way to close the gap and the amount of time it takes for you to get where you're going, find someone who does. There's a lot of good people in this room. I could tell stories. Of, I mean, I'm looking at faces. I mean, there's a lot of good people in this room. You know what that means? There's a lot of really good answers in this room. You can hear the Father 
through the people in this room. It's in them. It's in you. You want to climb the mountain? Find someone who's climbed it. Final thing that I want to share with you guys, we're going to read 1 John chapter 2 in just a moment. But I want to, more than say this, I would really like to impart this into you. Difference being, I don't wanna just say words that you may or may not remember, but if you would be willing to receive this, I, I really would like for you to leave with like an impartation, like a core value established of things are different now. And that's have grace for the process. Grace for yourself, grace for others. First John chapter two, verse one and two says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. That's a starting point so that you don't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. The sins of all the world. It can be frustrating. We even have a coin, or we, we have a term coined associated with, oh, back around the same mountain. Around the mountain, you heard that? Around the mountain again. I feel like it's very intentional, symbolic and prophetic that this is what the Father gave me. Yeah, you're going around the mountain, but you're gaining elevation. You're gaining elevation. It might be the same mountain, but you ain't the same person. It might be the same mountain, but you don't have the same perspective. Your vantage point is different. You can see further. It might be the same mountain, but you're not the same person. We have an advocate making a way for us. As we read in Romans chapter eight earlier, he has called us to come to him. He is gently wooing us into himself. Come son, come daughter, gain elevation with me, close the gap with me and live in intimacy with me. Oftentimes though, the negative connotation of this surrounding the mountain, it sounds like this. This is what the enemy will say. Oh, same issue, huh? Yeah, south side of the mountain. Can't stop doing that thing, huh? Yeah, I knew that last repentance thing. That was a sham. Yeah, this one will be the same. Go ahead, say your prayer, do your thing. We'll see you next week. This one's a doozy and I, ugh, I hate this one. You should be better than this. You should have known better. How are you finding yourself in the same spot again? You should have known better. The enemy's a liar. You're gaining elevation and you're not the same person. You're gaining elevation, you are not the same person. You're gaining elevation, you are not the same person. And you are gaining elevation, 
you are not the same person. Stop believing the lie. Because for every accusation that says, how could you do this again? Oh, the same thing again, same fight. Oh, same temptation. You should be over this by now. You've been here before, you know how this story ends. For every single accusation from the voice of the accuser, there is a resounding echo from the heavens of a father's voice saying, yeah, but you're closing the gap, son, and I'm proud of you. You're closing the, you are getting better. Look at how much quicker you confessed your sin. Well done, son, well done. Look at how much quicker you recovered from that hatred you had towards your sibling. Well done, son, well done. Look at how emotionally resilient you are, even though you're buried in an environment at work that's full of cynicism and negativity, you're not succumbing to that anymore. And it only took you five minutes, well done. You sat in hatred and resentment towards that person for a decade. Yeah, that was the base of the mountain. But guess what? Today you made a decision that you're gonna love them and you gained 2,000 feet of elevation. Well done. Well done. Well done. Grace for the process for you and for those around you. You're doing really good. You're doing really good. And if you're not, wholeness is as close as the next breath. Probably taken about five breaths since I've said that. Just start now. It starts with a step. It starts with a step. Don't be confused, don't be mad. Don't be disappointed when the temptation comes, the strife comes. It's what the enemy does. We're told he's gonna do it. So when you find yourself circling the mountain and you're on that south side of the mountain, of course he's gonna throw darts. Of course he's gonna throw daggers. The thoughts are not the sin. The temptation is not the sin. How quick can you recover and get back to that north face that is wholeheartedness with the Father. That's what we're after, closing the gap. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.